Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out a bad senior book. Bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bad attitude. Bad day, bad lie, bad do, bad bad, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Farrell Appalachia right across the river and through the woods from where Granny likes to roll up a fatty before dinner as long as she's got a little JMO to wash it down with in New York City. The Big Apple. Ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, check it up. All my friends come around, fat to fly to party, all rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, tons of tatum, hovering splattered all over Manhattan, should be check it Hey, what's gigging? It's Pharrell Carver. Hi with me tonight. And um, we're on for a couple hours here. Uh, so go with us. And the Pharrell Pub is open for business. 844-843-6879 is the number. Again, 844-843-6879. And uh, here's what we got going on tonight. Your boy, Smitty, is going to join us this hour from SportsGrid. Uh, the morning after. Uh, he does the morning show with Ariel Epstein. You know Smitty. He's been on my show a bunch of times. Smitty will chill out with us. And then uh, here at a second hour, Jonathan Davis from Los Angeles does NHL with us. Uh, he's uh, The last time he did it with us, we were actually in Los Angeles, right? Uh, Carver High, we did a show. And um, and he came by and hung out with us. We were at, uh, what were we at? A Wilder Fury fight or something, right? Wasn't that what it was? We know, were in we L.A. That was the Spence Porter fight in L.A. Oh, all right, all right. I can't keep track of it, all right? Because I went with Mafia to the to the Fury Wilder fight, and then I went with you to the Spence fight, right? So you both went to L.A. with me, right? Is that about right? All right, there you go. So it's going to be very exciting. We're going to uh, talk to both guys tonight, and we're going to spend some time talking about a lot of other stuff, including Liverpool ending a 30-year drought and winning the Premier League. I watched all that unfurl today. Go with us on the bench. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. 
And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, there you go. Is that the, uh, am I tripping? Was that the Foo Fighters? Was that what that was? That's exactly what it was. There you go. I like them. You know, I used to remember we used to play that uh, cut when uh, the it was Letterman's last show, right? And and they had on uh, Everlong when they came and played live on his last show, right? So I've always said that uh, people ask me uh, in my career uh, what the greatest uh, whatever moments were of my career, things of this nature. Uh, very exciting. For uh, I guess no one, but it, people ask me all the time. Whatever I just did an interview. Did I not just do an interview recently with uh, I think it was Barrett, where they at Barrett Sports Media asked me about uh, being on Letterman, and uh, and then uh, it just was the greatest experience ever, right? Like it was so cool. It was just uh, you know I got to tell you, like doing Letterman was was by far the like coolest thing I ever did. I've done movies, I've done TV shows, I've done CSIs, I've done, uh, you know, uh, game shows on TV that were very popular. And I've done, you know, remember I did Wipeout and Downfall even during the World Cup. I did the World Cup uh, commercials for the entire summer World Cup on ABC. That was pretty cool. Uh, I've done all kinds of cool things, but nothing was ever as cool as going on uh, David Letterman, right? For me, that was the that was the uh, cream de mint. I got to tell you, but what was even cooler than that was uh, to save a lot of time here was that he came to see me do the show live. So I'm uh, doing the I don't know what year it was like '96 was that when the Final Four was in like New York or something like or it was the NCAA tournament or something or the Final Four was going on or something like that. I remember I think it was and I could be wrong about all the dates and everything. Like I think uh, what year was Mellow? Do you remember uh, Carver High when Mellow was like playing in it and he won it or something like that? Do you remember what year that was? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact year. I very well have been. I could be wrong. But anyway, so the the tournament was going on or something like that. And um, I just like that's what I remember. All I know is, is that uh, I was hosting this huge show in New York. And the night that I did the show was at Rosie O'Grady's right on uh, whatever Broadway. I think it's on. Isn't that where Rosie O'Grady's is right on Broadway or is it on 7th? I think it's on Broadway. Do you remember? Did you ever go over there and get drunk with us, Carver High? Rosie O'Grady's. I've I've been in Rosie O'Grady's a couple of times. I don't think I've been there with you, but I have been there a couple of times. Yes, good spot. Yeah, you and I would have had a great drinking relationship. I think if we would have 
ever cross paths back in those days because when I drank, I was really uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> and I, I could really throw down with anyone. And I mean, I was fun to hang out with when I drank. Let's just be honest. And so I used to take those guys, like my producers and everything, we would go to Rosie O'Grady's and get just hammered. I mean, just hammered. And I would order up all kinds of food and just we would just party like no one's business. And, you know, I was doing OK. I was doing well at the time. And uh, I don't know. I'd We'd always go out in happy hour and blow out and party. But anyway, this night I was doing a show at Rosie O'Grady's. This has nothing to do with drinking at Rosie O'Grady's. I've been there just to drink. And then I've done shows there. Right. So I did this show there and it was. Uh, and I'd remember it was huge. Like, uh, Dick Vitale was on it. Everything. It was enormous, right? Everyone in basketball that mattered, uh, was there and, and was doing the show and it was at Rosie O'Grady's and they all came by and did the show. Right. So the night I'm doing the show, it was snowing ass. It was snowing. Like you have no idea. And, uh, like you've seen that before, right? Carver High, like snowstorms in March. And even in April, we've seen snow in New York. So here I am doing this show. And I mean, there was six, eight inches of snow on the ground. It was crazy. And I mean, you wouldn't have gone out if, unless you had to, right? Meanwhile, I'm doing this live show there and it was packed. The bar was packed. I mean, it was, you, you couldn't even move in this bar. And I'm doing the show live and I'm, I'm soaking wet. I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm jumping up and down. I'm going crazy. This is a long time ago. I was young. And then here comes uh, David Letterman down the stairs. Can you imagine? I almost cabled in my pants. Legend. I was literally like my producer uh, came up to me and I'm on the air live. Right. My producer comes over and like we go to a break or something. And he's like, don't look. But <laughs> he's like, don't look. But like, look over in the corner. But not right now. But look over in a corner and look who's uh, standing on the stairwell. Because the place was packed. You couldn't even walk in the bar. And then up in the stairwell, they had a downstairs. That's where we did the show. And and as I looked over on the stairwell, I looked and I almost fell over. It was David Letterman. And he was sitting there. And I looked right at him and he waved at me. And uh, it was crazy because he didn't want to do the show, right? He did not want to go on the show. He wanted to. He just wanted to watch. He wanted to see me doing it. Because uh, as he would later tell me that he was a, a, a fan of the show, right? He thought it was a great show. He thought it was cool and he dug it. And, he, you know, it was crazy at the time. It was on uh, the fan in New York. And uh, the show was really popular, uh, even though I dealt with all these D heads at, at the fan that thought they were special. Uh, Fat Sessa and all of his minions and all these people thought they were so special. And I was this crazy surfer bong smoking dude with long hair from Los Angeles. Uh, and I just didn't care what any of them thought of me. And I was like such a badass, and I was so cool and everyone knew it. The show was 10 times cooler than any show on the fan. All those shows were for girls. And then my show was for the hardcore and Letterman loved it. And he used to listen to it all the time. Every night he listened and, uh, he told me that he listened. And he said, I just wanted to see your crazy ass live. And he came and saw it. And there I was. I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He goes, not yet. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you'll be hearing from me. And then he walked out. He just turned around and walked out. He walked up the stairs and that was it. I never saw him again. I was like, oh, my God, did that just happen? Right. And sure enough, like 
whatever. I don't even know when, like a year later, he called me and uh, they invited me on his show. And then they flew me to New York and I did Letterman. And then, uh, you know, I acted like a complete imbecile on Letterman and they loved it. The, the rowdier, the better. If you're an idiot, they just love you. If you're funny and you're crazy, they love you there. Anything stupid, they love it. And so I was a stupid idiot and they loved it. And then I did so well, I guess they invited me back. Right. So I went back and did it again like a year after that. I think the second time I did it, uh, I announced that I was leaving the radio show to do NHL play-by-play. And that uh, that night I was on Letterman. I walked off the stage and, and the phone rang and it was uh, Joel Hollander, who was the head of uh, CBS and Westwood One at the time. And he said that uh, I was fired. He said uh, he called me a bunch of names on the phone. And then I, he said I was fired. I said, I already signed a deal with Turner Sports, you idiot. You stupid idiot asshat. I was like, you're just such a stupid idiot. I just played you like a fiddle. I just did you. That's what I did. I just did you on David Letterman's show. How'd you like that? You like that? You like me? Here, kiss this. And let's just say at that point I had an enemy. (laughs) At that point, I had cornered the market on good old Joel and then sure enough, Joel hated my guts for all these years later, 20, 20 years later. Go go 20 years later. Who am I working for then? I'm working for Howard Stern then. And guess who's just sucking up to me like he was my best friend? Good old Joel. Good old Joel came around then. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. You've really turned your life around. I was like, there was nothing wrong with my life then. I'm sorry I got so much ass. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I partied too hard for you, Joel. You and all your loser friends. I'm sorry that I was such a rock star. Sorry I went on Letterman twice. Sorry my show was number one in New York the entire time I was on. Sorry that all of your uh, big stars on your radio station don't like me. How about I beat all their asses in front of you? How does that sound? Does that sound like fun? Because I'll beat their ass right in front of your face. How about we do that for dinner? I don't think the guy likes me too much, but these things happen. I always have people trying to control me. It doesn't work too well. People that try to nag at me and try to play games with me. You can see how it works out for you. Keep nagging and see how it works out for you. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pearl on the Bench. I'm watching some guy fighting on ESPN. I don't know if you've seen this guy, but he's got, he's painted his, he's dyed his beard gold. (laughs) I, I looked up and I was like, bro, 
you look like you got the McDonald's arches on your face, bro. I'm like, what is happening with this guy's beard? It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Like, I don't mind if people paint their hair colors, teal, red, orange, purple, have at it. But you can't dye your beard gold. It's like having, like, you know, when they got, I got no problem either with the grill, the silver or gold grill. You know, they, there was a phase there where some of the kids were wearing grills in their mouth. Was there anything worse than like a white kid with a grill? <laughs> Is there anything? I, Carver, I honestly, you can't have some little teenager punk ass kid with rocking the, the grill mouth. Like, you know, yeah, the whole, a little, <laughs> a little young for that. I just can't have it. Like, what I, I just want to rip their teeth out of their face. Like, dude, you like an idiot. Come here, let me grab those. And I'm just going to grab them and I'm going to yank them out of your face. But this guy with the gold beard, can we get Smitty on? Has he turned on ESPN to look at this guy's face yet? I just turned it on, Pharrell. I just, I'm watching it now. It looks like he's got, I, I, I don't even, it almost looks like a chin strap. It's not even a beard, Pharrell. It's like a chin strap. What I thought I said, he's got some kind of mask on for the COVID, but it's a beard. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're rocking the mask down below, you know, when, when it's getting trouble to breathe and you're walking down the street and it's 100 degrees in New York and you're like, all right, I got to pull this down for a second so I can breathe. That's what it looks like. Looks right. like he's going to pull it back up in a second to protect himself. The first time I looked at it, I was like, what's going on? Does he got some kind of like mask or like something on? He's got like a fungus down there or something. Bro, you cannot tell me that he doesn't look like a complete doofus with that beard. Yeah, yeah he doesn't look. Uh, it's, I, I wouldn't do that as a style statement for me, but I, I couldn't pull that off. I, I couldn't pull that off. Do you think, uh, Smitty, that um, it's fun to make fun of people at all costs? <laughs> Seven days. <laughs> well, we're, I think we're in a society right now where all we have is laughter now. Burrell. Like, I don't have anything else. I mean, I'm sitting here. I'll give you the rundown of my night. The rundown right. of my night is I wake up. I do the show with Ariel. Then right. I take a nap. I hang out. I do some other things for the show. I, I work out on my Peloton. I'm sitting here in my bathrobe right now. I just took a shower after my Peloton. And that's right. it. That's my night. That's my Thursday night. I'm watching whatever's on TV, some Netflix, something this is all we have is laughter. We, you know, we, we don't have those bustling, hustling and bustling social lives to keep us occupied anymore. We just have to laugh so, our lives into oblivion. So, you know, as you know, I'm an expert at finding uh, unique shows on television to watch. And, and tonight yeah. I had a really bad experience. First of all, Mafia turned me on to some show called I'm Sorry. I watched for um, one episode. I watched it and... Uh, maybe, you know, he's probably right. Who knows? Mafia is probably right. And, and it turns out that it's just an incredible drama. And then at some point, uh, it's going to become just fascinating. But the, the, you know, one that I watched, the episode that I watched was pathetic. So I, I gave up on it. I was like, this sucks. It's simple. You either suck me in and have the first episode of any show, any series has to be good. That's like, that'd be like uh, the Sons of Anarchy. The first show wasn't yeah. good. That doesn't happen. Breaking Bad, that doesn't happen. Uh, Animal Kingdom, that doesn't happen. But this show, it did. So then I switched to a second show. 34C says to me, she said, my friends tell me the show The Politician is great. So I turned The Politician on, and it's this weaselly 
little twit, and I just want to punch his face with my fist like 30 times. Oh. Jackrabbit punches. He's like this dorky, like, uh, and he dresses like it's a Ben Platt. It's the kid. It's the kid from the. It's the kid from the musical, the the right. the Evan Hansen musical. He's a right. very talented young. He's a very talented kid. Well, good for him. I want to beat his ass. How's that? So that, that show was so fat. I think he won like a Golden Globe Award or something for that show or something. Well, I remember that he won something for it. Isn't there? I think there's a bunch of like Bette Midler's in it and and uh, Jessica Lange's in it or something. I watched one episode. I literally I got up on a, I got up on my roof and my wife had to talk me off the roof from jumping and killing myself. That's how bad it was. Then she says. We're gonna. This is zero for two now. I'm starting to look like, uh, you know, uh, some of these baseball players that make forty million a year that can't get a hit. I'm going for my third show of the night. She says to me, "We're gonna watch this show called The Woods. I hear it's really creepy." So I turn on The Woods, right, and it's in Russian. The whole thing's in Russian, and I'm I'm in a mood tonight of about like I'm gonna watch some show in Russian. It's bad enough. I gotta read the. Yeah, you got to read the subtitles, which is like you got to put in work. That's like a book report. That's like reading comprehension. That's like fifth grade social studies right there. So I got to be really baked to have to want to – you know what I mean? I got to be like completely stoned out of my face to watch a show, and I got to read the – but I do. Carver High knows I watch a lot of inter, international shows with, with uh, subtitles and everything. I've done it, but I think you have to be in the right frame of mind. In other words, drunk or high. So I'm over three tonight watching shows, but I do want to ask you a question. When you ride your Peloton bike – and my buddy works yeah. for that company. By the way, I know this guy that works there, and I don't care. But I, I wanted to say to you, have you ever seen, like, their commercials or the Nordic track commercials or any of those, like, workout-type commercials where the chicks that work out on the bike are literally the hottest chicks <laughs> ever on the face of the earth, like, hotter than porn stars, hotter than Penthouse, hotter than Playboy, hotter than Miss America, hotter than Miss World. The hottest chick you've ever seen in your life is so wet dripping riding a bicycle for peloton and she's got muscles just shredding muscles and yeah. i mean she's just stacked and she's got muscles everywhere and her ass is just the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life and i just want to be clear when i'm talking about smoking hot chicks with gigantic features and perfect asses muscles soaking wet dripping and she's the hottest chick you've ever seen in your life and she's riding a bike in her living room like who makes these commercials up uh smitty tell me why and, and i'll, I'll I'll take it one step further too. The dude in the Nordic Track commercial is also like, and I am fully confident in my sexuality to say he's also a pretty good looking dude. So they get like the two best looking people on the planet, and it's this commercial. It's the Nordic Track commercial. I know exactly what you're talking about. And they're in this like luxury high rise building with like full glass, full floor to ceiling windows, and they're doing like a dueling bicycle ride with each other. And they're like looking at each other from across the room, from across like the way. And they could see each other working out in the building across, and they're, like, trying to go back and forth to beat each other. It is total nonsense. When I'm doing these rides, I'm miserable. It's dark in my apartment. I'm trying to figure out a way. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to get to have a cheesesteak after this and not feel bad about it. Like, that's really the reality of the Peloton situation. Do you sweat? Like, I mean, do you – like, because I know oh, you – everywhere. When you do but does Everywhere. your apartment smell like ass like after? Like no, you just... I'm a big Febreze guy, and I light a lot of candles. I light a lot of candles. And also, I have a towel. I have a towel that I use as, like, I put it on the top of the handlebars, and it's, it's like a sweat catcher. It's almost like a trough 
of sweat after the after the peloton and and i use that and then i'll, I'll ring that out and i'll watch that so it won't smell but uh it's it, listen i mean i i'm not exactly living uh, in a palace here I, i'm sitting about five feet from the peloton and it's right next to my desk so it's a it's a very short walk to get from the bathroom back to the Peloton and then back to the desk to do a segment with you and then back to the Peloton. There, the, I can basically throw a ball from one side of the room to the other and have right. it bounce back the, to be pretty easily. What's the like um you know the the lifestyle now for you after you now are just consistently doing the morning show uh, the morning after now. How does do you get up early in the morning? When does that all uh, commence? Like I like I'm playing ball tomorrow. I'm getting up at six a.m. and I'll go play basketball at seven with a bunch of violent just dudes that hang on the rim <laughs> that can tomahawk dunk. And I'm going to do that. But you're getting up to do a TV show at like what time does the show air at six in the morning? No, actually, we're lucky. We get I th- we there's a chance we might be swapping time slots with the early line, but right now we're nine a.m. 9 to 11, we have a production meeting at 8.30 with the whole crew on live vMix on our little, you know, our little channel. Uh, and then we get to the show 9 to 11. I'm up usually by 7 every day. Okay. Uh, usually, usually I like to check the, you know, the line movements overnight and I'll update any picks or any adjustments that I have because usually we get right into it, you know, right at 9 o'clock. Our first segment is, hey, what happened this morning? Well, you know, where, where's our action going? But it's been an adjustment. It, you know, the easy part about it, Fro, and this is going to be obviously a, a change once we get to the point where we get sports back. There's nothing on right now. I'm watching a boxing match that I don't have any action on. I mean, it's something that it's interesting because this guy's got a some kind of like a Furby on his face. But besides, yeah, <laughs> but besides the, the Chia pet on his face, there's really nothing compelling to watch at night. So I just kind of drift off at a normal time. But you know better than anyone, when we get back to the late night degenerate action of the NBA, NHL, you name it, it's going to be tough to be in bed before one, two in the morning. So that's when I'm sure the sleep cycle will get adjusted a bit. Maybe I'll start taking naps. I don't know. I, I, I do to, like to nap sometimes. Did you used to go to bed like at two, three in the morning? Yeah, usually I'm a two, I'm a two a.m. guy. I'm never in bed before midnight. If, if if I'm in bed before midnight, it means I'm just just blackout drunk or something <laughs> bad happened earlier in the day where I just need to crash. Like I injured myself in some way or I have a massive headache. I don't know, something. Uh, but if I'm in bed before midnight, that means something went terribly wrong with my day. But now, so now you'll go to bed at 12, 1230 and get up at, at seven. And then you go do the show from nine to 11. And then you go to your 75 meetings for the rest of the day. I know. Well, you know what we're doing now is, is now we do, uh, we have post-show things that we do. And, and now, because it's live, there is a lot of pl- – obviously, as you know, you've been doing live TV and radio longer than me. There's a ton of planning for the you, – you're already planning the next day's show right when you finish the, the show today. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at with my, with my brain cycle. It's, 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 it's been a little bit challenging. But you know what? We adjust, Pharrell. We adjust. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Smitty about all of his uh, betting that he's got going on now. He's betting on golf. I mean, there's, what isn't he betting on? At one point, I saw him betting on Korean baseball games. I mean, this guy will bet on NASCAR, everything, you name it. All right, for on the bench. Anyway, I don't think that uh, – I know that I was right about the, uh, Syracuse being in that Final Four in 96, but uh, – yeah, that, that was, was John the, Wallace. That was the John Wallace year, 96. I think Mello right. was 03. I think Mello was 03. 
All right, so it was 96, that Final Four with uh, Kentucky winning their sixth national championship, and and they beat Syracuse in the final. And I was doing the show at Rosie O'Grady's in New York. It was packed, and it was snowing, and Letterman showed up and walked down the stairs to see me do the show live. And I almost cabled in my pants uh, because I saw him standing there watching me. And, uh, you know, that was when he – you know, told me he was a big fan of the show and that uh, I'd be hearing from him. And then eventually I would go on his show twice. So that I was right about that because, I, you know, when I started telling the story, I didn't even remember. I just I just know that I was like, I think it was 96 because I, you know, did that run in the 90s, uh, like on the fan, right? In that window of like 95 to 99 or something like that. So 95, 96, 97, 98, 99 was like a five-year run. And then uh, the the greatest memory of it all for me was um, Letterman. I mean, just that was it. Like people asked me, what was the coolest thing that ever happened to you in your career? And it was that. And so that that was that. So I'll never forget that night. And I was just like, I didn't even remember anything other than I think Syracuse was in it. And I was like, it was snowing. And Letterman came to see me do my gig. And Vital and all these people were there, all these coaches, Bobby Kremens. Uh, they all came to see me do it. And uh it was funny because he came in and I told this story before, but he came in and he didn't want anything to do with anybody. <laughs> he was like totally on his own, totally incognito, totally like in a winter jacket, snowing outside, six inches on the ground at least. I can't even believe he went out and walked out to see me or came out in that weather to see me. And then all these other coaches were there. Everyone saw him come into the room and then they all wanted to meet him. And he wanted nothing to do with anybody. He just was absolutely like the minute people figured out he was there, he turned around and left because he couldn't have a normal life. Right. I mean, wherever you go, once they figure out it's you, David Letterman walks in the room. That's it. People start freaking out. And that's what happened at that party. And he turned around and left. But at least he was there for whatever, five, ten minutes. It was pretty cool. Anyway, we're talking to Smitty. And uh, Smitty, tell me about all your uh, bets you got going like. Carver High said you got you, you and like Cam and you're betting on golf and you're just out yeah, of control. I'm big into the golf now. It is out of control. First of all, I, I just to piggyback on that story. I mean, it, that's that's cool, man. Like that, to to get to that point and and I'll speak. You know, we're on radio now, so I can speak from the heart to you. For me to come on your radio show, it's one thing for us to do TV together, but for me to come on your radio show. It, it's full circle for me, brother. I mean, you know, I, I, I grew up listening to you and, you know, you, you, you know, you telling those stories, those guys to come watch you do your thing. I was one of those guys, obviously I wasn't David Letterman, but I was watching you do your thing. And for me to hang out with you on the radio like this, uh, this That's is great. about as, is about as cool as it gets for me, brother. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great to talk shop and man, the golf's been fun. The golf's been real fun. You know why the golf's fun? Because it's a bet that you can place. It's like a little baby sprinkle, 20, 30, 40 to one. You see that number at the outside, like, wow, I could really make four or 500 bucks on a 10, 15, $20 bet. And it lasts for the weekend. You know, so I, I think for a novice better for, you know, betters that are just starting to get into this, you know, to take 50 bucks and to sprinkle five, 10 bucks on a few golfers you like, and then to just kind of watch it play out over the weekend. It, it is a nice way to dip your toe into the handicapping world, into the gambling world without having to really, you know, it, you know, expend a lot of output, a lot of bankroll in, in, in order to make a, you know, a nice little piece of change. You know, if you took Webb Simpson last week at 30 to one, you threw 10 bucks on that, you got $300 this week. So, you know, those are the fun bets that I really like with golf. The first round leader bets are nuts. How about this Mackenzie Hughes kid today coming out of nowhere, lapping the field and shooting a 60? 
So he's the he's the pace setter for the weekend, but we're positioned very well with golf. We got some money on Sergio. We got some money on DeShambo. I got Hovland at the top of the board. Uh, Rory, I got a top 10 bet on. And, you know, you sprinkle it around. You know, it's like an allocation. It's like a stock portfolio. You pick a little bit of this guy. You take a little bit of that guy. You go in this region and this region. And you just kind of watch it and enjoy it. And I, I know the pushback. Golf's boring to watch. But it's been pretty exciting the last two weekends. I'll tell you what. There's been some exciting Sunday matchups. And I think the sport of golf, even when the other sports come back, the ratings, the handle, I think it's still going to be up uh, as we get deeper into the summer. I actually, uh, I like it. I don't have a problem with it. Listen, I've said before that it's a little boring watching a golf ball fly through the air on television. It's never been my, uh, it's never been my bag, but I, I like golf. Uh, and I have no problem at all with, uh, having all kinds of little chips on, uh, different guys and head to head and, and whatever, do some prop bets on, on golf. I got no problem with that. I love that Victor Hovland kid. I think he's going to be a yeah. rock star on a PGA tour, but let me ask you this question. So I went golfing. Did you know I went golfing, Smitty? I went golfing on. I didn't know you Father's were a golfer. Day. I didn't. I didn't know you were a golfer. Yeah. So I was. I went golfing on Father's Day. I played a really uh, tough course. My uh, a cop friend of mine. He's retired. Big shot detective. Uh, he uh, is retired a scratch golfer. The guy's a great golfer, and he belongs to this really fancy uh, country club. And he took Haro and I golfing, and uh, we went out mm. there and we and we played at this fancy club, highfalutin. And um, you know, it was it was <laughs> cool. So in my in my heyday, Smitty, back when I lived in L.A. and I could you know. Yeah had 330 days of sunshine a year. I used to golf five or six days a week and I used to play a lot in um, Palm Springs and I played in the Inland Empire. I played in uh, all over Los Angeles, Orange County. I mean, it's the greatest golf, in my opinion, in the country because like in Southern California, it's not humid. It's just, it's just sunny. And so it's dry heat and you can go golfing. And when it's 85 degrees, it doesn't feel 85 degrees. Yeah. Except you know, you're getting a suntan. So when I was golfing every day of my life, I got my game down to a six. I was a six handicap, nice. but, but when nice. I live here and I never play it's ever tough to play here, it's tough to play here. That's the problem I had. I grew up in Florida too. I used to play every week. I started playing when I was 10 years old. I maybe play twice, three times a year now. Because it's just you're in the city. Why is that? City. It's a it's a pain. It's it's that you know. And I, I'm actually breaking news. I'm moving to Jersey in about a month and a half. Oh. Uh, my lease is up at the yeah. Lease is up at the end of August. Uh, oh. So I'm moving to Jersey. Uh, you know, first of all, the gambling laws. But second of all, for reasons that I'm about to say, um, I've reached this point, and you know, it's it's been a tough three months. It's been a tough three months here in the city. I've been trapped like right. a rat. Uh, I've right. had some, you know, family things happen over the last few months as well that have kind of shaken the pot up a little bit, but I'm ready for a change and I'm ready for a change to get out into the world a little bit where the city you're in this bubble and, you know, you're in this, like, you know, you're in this yeah. snow globe of, of, of trash and homeless people and just craziness right. and it's fun. It's exciting. You get the vibe, you get the ambiance, but let's be real, that vibe and that ambiance has been reduced to a dull whisper. And I'm ready for that kind of change because I want to go play golf more. I want to be able to have a car drive around and do all those things. And it, the city's tough for that stuff. You know, it, it really is tough. And I've been living in the city now for about three years and I haven't been playing golf that much. And I mean, golf, I, I literally, for all, I grew up on this game. My grandfather, so when I was 10 years old, so you're not no, happy, I'm not happy that I can't play golf. I, I think I'm happy in the city when the city's the city, but you know, the city's not the city. Yeah, right so now. let me, I don't know let if me it's ask get you back this. anytime soon. So let me ask you this. So you're, so obviously you're sick of it. I lived in hell's kitchen for a long time. And sure. uh, I've lived in New York City several times uh, over the years. I've been here a long time, but uh, I've lived out in Jersey 
uh, now I've lived here the longest, right? Like, so I, I have a really yeah. long stretch here of living in the suburbs, but, um, I will say this, I mean, you will definitely get what you're asking for. You're going to be able to golf yeah. now. You're going to be able to do everything. You're going to be able to, not only are you going to be able to golf Smitty, we can go golfing together. And you can also now finally, uh, because you were never going to play basketball with me living in the city. No, Cause I play basketball really on Saturday and Sunday mornings. And I, now I'm playing like 7am tomorrow and I play really good games and Carver high seen it. It's true. I play in really great games, really great players, really good stuff. And then eventually right. now that you're going to be out here, you're going to be able to uh, be a privy to that. You're going to be able to, I'm going to be able I to invite it, you. And meet me there, and we'll go golfing. You can play basketball finally with me. And then uh, no more of this. Because when you live in the city and I live here, I'm never playing no. basketball with you. That's just the bottom yeah, line. No, that's I'm fine. not. But, and, you know and, I mean? and that's a social thing. That is. And, and I'll tell you what. And, and this did come in. This did factor into the equation. The, the gambling situation has become, over the last eight months, it, it is obviously, I've always been a gambler. But. This network and now the deal with FanDuel and the and the legal, you know, the legality of living in New York compared to living in New Jersey and having to get action in from other areas, it it, it changes the way I look at my living situation. Where now, it's obvious now where five six months ago Sports Grid was still a a freelance you know opportunity. Now it has become a daily grind where it, it's a struggle to to not live in New Jersey and to be able to have act, unfettered access to those markets. So that certainly factors into the equation. And of course, all of those other living things certainly factors in, but man, oh man, waking up on a Saturday morning at the butt crack of dawn, getting in about, you know, a couple of runs with you, then going to hit the, hit the range, hit the, hit the course. That sounds like a pretty awesome afternoon, brother. Right. So I played and I had, uh, I had, you know, cause I, I, I can play. It's not like I'm, uh, it's like riding a bike. I have a nice swing. I can hit the ball far. I can, I, but when you don't play for years and I haven't played yeah. for years, the short so game broke, is gone for me. Right. The so short I broke, game my, just, I broke my hand. And then once you break, I broke my hand in five places playing basketball. So I never thought, well, first of all, I can't even hold a golf club. I, I, I can't use my pinky. Right. So I figured mm. I got to see if I can, play or even hold a golf club so i go out i start hitting the ball and then i start crushing the ball everything's good but when you don't play for five years you have no yeah. clue where the ball's gonna go left right middle you just yep. think you know but you really don't until you get completely down if you're a, if you're a really good golfer you know exactly what you're gonna do with every shot and and you know where the ball's gonna go and you know how to hit it when you don't play for five years you have zero clue like when i go up to the tee and i got a big i can hit it 280 290 and i yeah. look Look at, I, look at, I look at the guys behind me. They're standing there. Where's it going to go to something? Like, I don't know, but everybody look <laughs> for <laughs> Right now, I don't know where it's going, but it's going far. And then, uh, you know, I'd be in the trees. I'd be in the water. I'd be in the sand. I'd be in the woods. I mean, I was all over the place. <laughs> it did par, I think it was four of the last five holes, or three nice. of the last four or something. And I had a couple of chips from like a hundred out, uh, like, you know, that, that lob wedge in that I stuck on the, oh, yeah. on the pin. I almost sank one. So I got the fever again by hitting some nice shots, but I played with this guy. He shot like, he shot like scratch. And then Haro, wow. Haro can, don't go golfing with him. He'll take your money too. that old geezer. It's great. And that's the one thing, man, when, when you want, and that's why I respect golf so much. People are like, ah, it's boring. You don't need to be a good athlete to play. That's baloney. You watch these guys. I mean, they can put it anywhere and they move it. They know where it's, I mean, it is one of the, I say this all the time. There's in my eyes, the two toughest things to do in all of sports, 
The first one is to hit a baseball. Round bat, round ball. It's coming at you at a fast speed. It's moving. That is, it's the hardest thing I think to do in sports. The second, I think, is to hit a golf ball long and straight. And to do it consistently, time and time again, not just to get a lucky shot. But man, oh man, when you connect, and it's like when you hit that home run and you hit that sweet spot, you know that ball's going long and straight. Yeah. There, ain't no, there ain't no better feeling than that. You, you get hooked really quick. You, 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 you spank one of those babies off the tee. You think you're Tiger Woods out there. It's real fun. So I, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to getting back into that suburban life a little bit. So you know what I, you know what I watched? Uh, I got one minute here, Smitty. I watched tonight. I held yeah. it on my, on my recorder. I never watched it. Uh, and I watched it tonight, uh, whatever, after the Coast to Coast. I watched uh, that Roy Holiday story, Imperfect. Where, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, that's, a, you tough, that's a tough story. I, 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 I saw pieces of it, but I, obviously I know the, the, you know the underlying story there based on what happened, but really tough stuff with the plane crash, and you know he was such a good dude. It was, it was really bad. Uh, sad. Yeah, uh, it was really sad. Yeah. He's got two boys and the wife and everything. Like this. I mean, obviously she's going to be all right, uh, it would appear to me, because you know, he, he made tons of money. So, I mean, nothing, yeah. there's nothing losing your spouse or someone dies, da, 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 I get it. But it's it's a little bit more comforting when there's still two hundred million in the bank account and you're young That's and you can bring very it. True. Smitty, uh, I'm glad we accomplished nothing tonight on the show. That way I love you. Thanks <laughs> Love you, brother. All right, Pharrell on the bench. By the way, my boy uh, Nova with the gold beard. Uh, they're saying that the the fight is dead even and that he's won the sixth, seventh, and eighth during the ninth round. But I got to tell you, this guy, Nova, if they're just doing it based on big shots landed, he would have already won this fight. This guy, the Goldbeard. Was there a movie, Goldbeard? Wasn't there like a – was Jack Sparrow? Did he know some like Goldbeard, dude? Because <laughs> <laughs> this guy's landed some bombs, I got to tell you. We just uh, established uh, with uh, – we looked at our uh, – the reviews come in after every word that comes out of my mouth now, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people dabbling with my uh, show and talents, right? There's constant evaluation going on and uh, just constant. It's just you got to you know, we're, we're going to do we're going to mold Pharrell. That's what we're going to do. So uh, the evaluation just came in on the conversation that I had uh, Carver High with Smitty. Whereas you'd probably deem it more appropriate to talk pure sports for the entire two segments. And then we instead did uh, two segments of worthlessness and nothingness. What do you mean? I found out that Smitty's got a couple plays this weekend at the Travelers. I know what Smitty's got in the the golf bag this weekend. You You covered that. Like you said, golf is meaningless, so I'm glad that we got all the golf bets in and talked about our individual golf habits and golf games and that we'll play golf in the future now that Smitty is moving to New Jersey strictly for gambling purposes. Listen to this guy lying through his teeth. I want to be free. I want to drive a car. I want to breathe. I want to go to the I want to go to the shore. I want to go uh, play basketball. I want to eat. I want to go to cafe. What he just he's only moving to New Jersey so he can uh you know deal with his gambling habit. Cause right now he lives in New York City, you can't bet. And when you live in New Jersey, you can bet on everything. I mean New York is backward assed. 